All right. Hello, I'm Charles Musgrove with the Bean Team, host of Business Matters Talk Show and podcast. Today we have Chris Dunn in the house. Hey, Chris, Charles. How you doing? Welcome to the show, man. I know you do a uh, another radio show, mm-hmm. and you talk about legal matters, so this is going to be an opportunity that we can bring some nuggets of value to those people that listen to the Business Matters radio show and podcast. So thanks for joining us. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, divorce, as you mentioned, is uh, always a thorny issue, never easy, uh, but it can also be a heck of a lot tougher when you own the business. So yeah, I'll this- be happy to give you some advice on this this is going to be uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk today about uh, if you're if you're a business you're a business owner you're also married and you go through a divorce so mm-hmm. that that uh, that's got a lot of potential thorny issues you bet so uh, you deal with that on a regular basis so mm-hmm. without with protecting the, I know we're gonna protect the names of the innocent so uh, mm-hmm. we won't we won't talk about real people but we're gonna talk about real situations and uh, this is, uh, we're doing the pre-roll right now for, that leads up to the, the radio show recording. So we're going to set up the show and we're going to talk about the, the effects of the business itself. What's the aftermath? How do you calculate, does value come in determination of, of uh, that, that divorce settlement? Yeah, uh, everything is so variable, of course, and we could probably speak, and there are courses where people speak for days on this issue but we'll try and do our best to fit this into a, a segment or two good I'm, I'm looking forward to it so let's get started we're going to i'm going to cue john he's going to get started with some music and then we're going to roll right into recording for the for the radio show sounds great Good morning and welcome back for another exciting show of Business Matters. I'm your host, Charles Musgrave with the Bean Team, and welcome back. We've got another show on the docket right here. And yes, we're going to bring those valuable nuggets of knowledge today. Today, we are joined by Chris Dunn of the Law Offices of Chris Dunn. Chris, thank you and welcome to Business Matters. It's my pleasure and honor to be here and uh, be happy to give you some very good uh bits of nuggets and of knowledge at the best I can. I know you can. This is going to be good. Today, uh, Chris is an attorney, obviously, and we are going to talk about the thorny subject of divorce. Mm-mm-mm. So divorce happens. It's a real life thing that happens to in people's personal life. So we're going we're gonna to match that. We're going to mix some personal stuff, the divorce, with the business situation, too. So, you know, on our show at Business Matters, we talk about the the issues and the, the the matters that affect businesses on a, on an everyday basis. So mm-hmm. we got a, a ongoing business mm-hmm. that's on that's a small business. So let's say that it's on one hundred percent by one of the by one of the spouses that's going through this divorce. Okay. So we've got a lot of a lot of variables in that that I think are are real and that really do happen. So let's assume the simple situation that spouse one, and we'll just say that's the the female. Okay. Female owns 100% of the business, mm-hmm. works in the business, is the key person in the business. So that business exists for the skill set of that female business owner. 
and that the let's say the the husband is let's say they they draw a paycheck that they maybe they're doing accounting or maybe they're doing something admin they get a paycheck but they're not vital to that business but they work within the business they work within the business Mm -hmm. so what happens let's we'll keep that real simple so in this situation the one that is not vital to the business does not have an outside source of income i see well, here's what you have to take a look at when you go through a divorce. Um, first and foremost, as I mentioned, there are so many variables, but we'll try to keep it on this same um, fact scenario here. The skill set provided by the wife um, to that business, let's say it's a law firm. Okay. That's, you know, you have to have a law license. Right. And if the husband isn't a lawyer, he's just going to be an employee. He can never be a partner in that. Uh, law, law firms in Florida are not allowed to pay non-lawyers a partnership share right i mean they can pay their staff uh you know wages they can pay uh obviously outside uh contractors all that stuff but in the scenario where the husband uh let's say is is the uh, firm's business manager Mm -hmm. and he's been doing that ever since him and the wife got married right after law school so we have the situation where two two people who are married basically um work together in the same business, and now, uh, by hook or by crook, they're both going through a divorce, well, divorcing each other. Right. And what you have to do is figure out how do you value the business? What is the wife going to potentially pay? What is the husband potentially going to take? And the reason why I say that is the most likely scenario is the wife's skill set, obviously in the case of a law firm, is essential. The husband's skill set as a business manager can be transferable. Right, hypothetically. That, that can be replaced. Mm-hmm. That's a fungible uh, employee, essentially. You know, he can be a business manager at ABC Stores, XYZ Construction. The wife's skill set's very particular. Very likely, uh, what you have to do is, first off, go take a look at the books. So if they're divorcing and by, you know, whatever circumstance, they've been getting paid the same amount. Over the last 15, 20 years. So they've been paid the same amount mm-hmm. between the two of them? Correct. Okay. And that that's very feasible. You know, uh, it's not recommended, but it's very feasible that, you know, the wife didn't want to make the husband feel bad. So, hey, honey, if I earn 75 year, this year, you may normally earn 45 as a business manager, but just to make you feel good and make you feel like you have a stake in the company, even though you can't have a stake because you're not a lawyer, right. I'm going to pay you equal. So let's take that scenario. The husband files for divorce, the wife files for divorce, whatever it is. They're in that situation where they have to go before a judge. The husband will say, your honor, we're going through this divorce. I've been accustomed to this standard of living. My salary is X. I've contributed to the firm by working for this firm. My skills and expertise could be put elsewhere. 16 years working here or whatever it may have been. You know, a starting business manager may make 45, but at my skill set, it's 75, and I'm getting paid precisely what I'm getting paid. But also, I put in a lot of work outside the normal hours. Uh, the wife will, of course, counter, he's not worth that much. Right. <laughs> and you still have the issue of what is the firm worth? Now, valuing a law firm is really difficult because it's not like 
a widget factory where you can count all the assets, the the supplies and inputs. There's not a readily market market value out there. Mm-hmm. You can't go to the book and say, or the the market the market and say it's worth this. Exactly, because she has a very specific set of skills, and if she tries and sells that firm, and let's say it's a very niche firm, uh, she does offshore admiralty for gold bullion and Spanish treasure ships. I'm thinking of the Mel Fisher uh, thing right. down there. Uh, his brother here is David Haran, and um, Ed Haran, uh, pardon me, Ed Haran is up here. David Haran was a lawyer for that. He has a very specific skill set. He is the only lawyer that I know of in the United States that does this that type of offshore bullion recovery litigation. So you, it's, it's difficult to replace mm-hmm. that skill set. So, Especially if it's a niche skill set. Right. And so the how do you value that firm? Well, the traditional way of valuing a firm is you get a you know an accountant, a valuation expert, and says, well, you know, based on this, your uh, you know your income and revenue over the past 15, 16 years, how long the firm has been going, is this. We don't expect you can't more, work more than X number of hours per week. Uh, your average hourly rate is this, and you can kind of value a firm that way. But that's not always so easy because. As you get older, you don't want to work as much, or presumably you don't. And so the hard part is figuring out the valuation of the firm. And when you go through a divorce and a long-term marriage, the reason why I said 15, 16, 17 years, in Florida we have a presumption of alimony when it's a long-term marriage. That's defined as uh, 17 years or longer. And so the husband may say, yeah, I can get a job as a business manager, but it'll be back to 45 if I have to go to work at XYZ Corp. And But also, by the way, I'm used to living in this nice house. I'm used to driving this nice Lexus. And I won't be able to do that. And so the judge has a very difficult time in figuring out how to determine the assets. Oftentimes in these situations, the judge may ask, you know, the take a look at the uh, uh, divorcing party's age. And like I said, you know, their income slope, is it steadied? Is it going up? You know, how, they, how long have they been in business? So we so we've got two things we talked about. One is the valuation. So that is uh, determining the value now upon the finalization of the divorce, and mm-hmm. then alimony would be a continuation of payments exactly. based on a uh, an existing standard of living that in this case the husband is used to, mm-hmm. and the wife would have to pay that alimony to the husband in this situation. Correct. The Florida courts look at alimony and they say, you know, what is his need. And does she have the ability? And so if his need has been comfortable and he looks like he's going to go to less comfortable, dramatically less comfortable, the courts may award alimony. It's a a presumption. It's not automatic. And so I always advise my clients, if they own a business, you know, get a prenup, get a postnup. They only like to do that, but that's why we're in business as lawyers. Right. And if you're able to iron that out, great. But more often than not, people don't. And you'll see these issues where, you know, the husband will tell the, the judge a sorry story or whatever spouse it may be. Um, try not to be sexist, but he'll tell a sore, sad story and, and say, Judge, I'm used to living on caviar and, you know, eating, you know, nice food. And now I'm eating, you know, the dollar meal at, McDe- at, dollar meal at McDonald's and living in the south side of town in a rough section. And... There is merit to that because he will not be able to achieve his same standard of living. While if she ditches him, she will be able to, A, maintain that same standard of living. Even though he has a good job, it will not be ever to the same level that 
it was when they were together. And so judges will often have to take a look at this and say, what's the best way? Well, can we figure out how long, uh, you know, there's various types of alimony. We have what we call lump sum, we have durational, and we have periodic. And in between them, there could be sh a short duration. There could be essentially alimony till you die or one of the parties dies. Alimony uh, also ceases when you remarry. And you have that issue of... Is that in every case that alimony ceases when you remarry? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So again, we're, we've, we've dealt with the valuation. So that's, is that included in the alimony calculation? Mm, or is that sort separate? of. Sort of. Here's the best way to determine, because let's just go to a standard divorce, not a lawyer or anything like that. You have what's called marital assets and premarital assets and non-marital assets. Mm -hmm. Non-marital assets encompass premarital assets. So were I to get married and I had my house paid off, my car paid off, those are all my premarital assets. And if I move into a brand new house with my brand new wife, that would be a marital asset. Okay. And so the value of the house as it increases and I pay in the equity and hopefully the house and value goes up, that is a marital asset. Now, even if she doesn't give a dime to the house uh, in terms of paying off the mortgage and I'm doing it all, and even if she has a job elsewhere, you know, the, the courts can still take a look at it. Who paid the mortgage? Were you guys married? Did, she, did you benefit from her services? And as I mentioned to you prior to this show, in a perfect world where you had two people making the equal amount, the two people tasked with doing the same level of commitment to each other, to the kids, to the chores, to the housework, taking out the trash, et cetera, it's super easy. Right. Because that, then it's that all is, even. That's, that's not a real world, though. No, it isn't. It isn't. So, but that's how you start looking at it. So does one person do more than the other? Does one person work more than the other? And then you have to take a look at the old situation where you may be a successful big shot and your, you know, wonderful, you know, high school sweetheart who you married at age 19, you know, for foregone college to, to marry you and have kids and never had a job. And then all of a sudden at age 55, you're saying, I'm oh, sorry, sweetie, I'm out of here. Uh, there's a brand new secretary you have the hots with. Then all of a sudden your, your 55-year-old spouse who's never held a job, you know, but she's given all ne nearly 35 plus years to the, to the, to the marriage doesn't have any skills. So, so that's, But she's contributed to the success mm -hmm. of the husband in this case. Yeah, and that's a, what, what alimony addresses. Right. And that's what alimony is all about. Now, if you – that's just – alimony – I always say alimony is what happens after the marriage. The marital asset division is what happens during and what you accumulate during the marriage. Which would include, in our example, the business. The business, the house, the cars, whatever you got after the marriage right. occurred. Even the business we're talking about, mm -hmm. the law firm where the wife is Absolutely. The, the so if you were able to show that that law firm went from you know $0 in value in 2000 and now in 2019 it's worth a million, well, can you can you – Make with a straight. Can you say with a straight face that he contributed five hundred thousand? Probably not. But can you say with a straight face that his efforts on the weekends, making sure that clients were billed, you know, he he will tell the judge that he did a heck of a lot more than just what is forty five thousand or up to seventy five thousand dollars earned. And so that's where the hard part is to dividing the marital assets, which of course in this case, although technically a law firm is not an asset to be shared between non-lawyers, it still is an asset for the court. 
So, so in that, so the you can't take the rule of thumb that the assets in the state of Florida would be split 50-50. In that case, the law firm we're using as the example where the the wife is the attorney, mm-hmm. and you're making the case that she's contributed. If we use the million dollar valuation, mm-hmm. and we we aren't automatically going to split that a million each because the wife is the license holder in that situation. Mm-hmm. So we're going to we're going to the the husband's portion is going to be somewhere between zero and five hundred thousand. And if I were the wife's attorney, I would argue that, hey, wait a second, court, look at this. I paid us equally. I made sure that he was overly compensated during this time period. Because remember my little fact scenario, if they're both paid equally just so nobody's feelings get hurt. Wait a second, Court. He got more in the during the duration of this marriage working for me than he would have gotten ever. And so my goal as a wife's attorney is basically say, hey, Court, yeah, he put in, but we gave him a lot more out of it. He wasn't just getting paid market wages. He was getting paid above market wages. And no, he didn't work that much on the weekends. And you know, if he did, great for him, but it wasn't that often. And But the courts are still going to say, well, this is a marital asset. You built the firm together. And I'm going to go talk. And remember, I was telling you about this yesterday, a scenario where you had a lawn care company where the husband and wife worked at the lawn care company. She was the bookkeeper, um, and she had a state job. And he was the actual lawn care guy with a couple trailers and a couple zero turns. He was the key executive. Exactly. The key key person in that firm. He made the lawn care happen. Right. And, you know, when they countered uh, our demand to settle, they said, well, we're happy to give you half the business. You can have one trailer and one zero turn and one weed whacker and one edger and all that good stuff. Right. And what's the wife to do, right? Now, I think I mentioned that she was so mad at that. You know, it all went to to heck in a handbasket. But that's one extreme version of valuation, and that's probably not a true valuation. Yes, the valuation of that firm is its ability to make money, whether it's a lawn care business or a legal business. And that's what you have to look at is a continuing ability to make money. So the wife in this situation couldn't just say, well, I have an office that I bought for, you know, $15,000 or whatever, $150,000. I have uh, depreciable equipment. Right. Computers and all that stuff. So so the value of the business is more than the the hard assets in the business, like that lawn business. Mm -hmm. The value was more than the the lawn equipment, the trailers, et cetera. Mm -hmm. It's the book of business and the ability to do the work. Exactly. And that's a hard part for judges. And oftentimes, well, I don't want to say oftentimes because judges do things differently everywhere, but in that type of scenario where I a judge, I would take a look at what kind of lump sum would make the other party happy. Because I remember I mentioned you could have lump sum um, alimony right, and, and also the evaluation. We don't know if she's going to work super hard like she will as she had in the past now that she's just one person. You know, realistically, she may say, well, Heck, you know, I don't have the support from him anymore. I'll have to hire two of him. Right. Well, that goes into our favor, right? Right. <laughs> but, you know, I just don't have the desire to work anymore. I'm depressed. Divorce stinks, obviously. And people oftentimes, you know, hey, I now have to re- reorient my social life to, you know, become a better person. And I'm not going to be working at the firm that much. And that's kind of reasonable. Now, the problem with this is Florida courts, 
in the past said, if you're a business owner, well, you've made this much money. You can't go down to minimum wage. You can't spite the other person. Uh, and it's a lot different if you're uh, a minimum wage worker. Right. Or, you know, you may be making $17 an hour, you get fired, and now you only can make 13 or 12 or 8 whatever it is. But when you're the business owner, they can actually impute that old wage to you, potentially. Wow. And so it can be kind of crazy in terms of what's going on. And high-dollar divorce, you know, especially with business owners, is it can be so – I tell people who come to me, and it's like, you know, this is – this is going to be the most frustrating thing in your life. It is going to be where you will pull out your hair, you'll you know slam your fist against a wall, and you'll want to commit bloody murder. You know, do two out of three. Don't do number three. Right. <laughs> tell me, tell me this. It sounds like uh, like in a lot of transactions, you get down to we're trying to sell something. Mm-hmm. So we got a buyer and a seller, whoever's buying versus receiving. It it sounds like it almost comes down to the true valuation of both the splitting of those marital assets as well as the alimony is what both parties agree is fair value. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost a, a negotiation or a compromise. You almost have both parties coming out with their feelings a little bit hurt. They're, nobody's 100% happy because both sides have given something. Exactly. And and the a good settlement means both parties don't walk away happy. Right. <laughs> you know? Like like a sales transaction. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at the end of the day, what you're looking for, and this is if you do have a high-value divorce, you know, you definitely want to make sure, you know, you have your expert, your valuation expert. And likewise, the other party wants to have their valuation expert because when you go to mediation, which is court-required for divorces, you can at least say, you know, dear mediator, you know, I've been married, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. By the way, here's where the, the rubber hits the road. My my valuation expert, based on the books that we know we have, because I was the bookkeeper, uh, business manager, et cetera, this firm is worth X. And, of course, they're going to have their valuation expert. And hopefully the experts aren't too far off. I mean, they're supposedly experts, so it should be kind of close. close. And that's – now, when you throw kids in the mix, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Right. But let's just keep it with just two people in a business. In theory – you know, your valuation experts should be somewhat close. And like I said, you know, when two people walk away somewhat unhappy but not completely, you know, mad, that's a good settlement. Yeah. Now, I, I, Chris, I did not say that to the point that both parties go into this without their representative, either an attorney, both an attorney and an accountant, somebody mm-hmm. that, that's looking at the books and helping with that valuation. You have to have both sides need to be represented by good counsel. A good, a good accountant. You bet. But if those parties come together, and, and this has to be difficult. You have to tell me this because I've not gone through it. But when you're dealing with divorce, it's very personal, and a lot of times it's not objective. It is it's, it's, People are going to fight over minuscule things and personal things rather than objective numbers, objective valuations. And you get the dirty tricks thrown in the book, such as, you know, you get the call from D get the, get the one party calling DCF saying my husband's molesting my daughter. Oof, that's or not you, good. you get the other one type of scenario where you get the call of the cops saying my husband beat me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it becomes very, very awful. It's just one of those things where you have to, you know, implore your client to be a decent person. Focus on the fact that, you know, it's over. 
you don't be a, you don't need to be a jerk right and being a jerk oftentimes the courts can take a look at that i mean these judges are judges for good reason they've been a, they've been assessed by the voters they've been assessed uh, if they've been appointed they've been appointed by uh, a panel or they've been recommended by a panel and the person who res- who's in that position understands people are going to be jerks now then of course you have political considerations you know women vote more than men and <laughs> you know i'm just kind of a little skeptical here i think that does play into a judge's rationale sometimes certainly not in this district but i have certainly seen it in other districts and in, in, in the circuits in other circuits i've i've been to a county where the judges are so pro-women it just shocked me and it's not in this um, circuit but it was it was shocking i was absolutely blown away by what was happening in our divorce case we had and this wasn't even a high asset divorce hmm. it was one of my essentially when i was having my friend going through i wasn't having my friend go through divorce he was going through divorce and i was basically his counsel and of course you know i'm telling my friend it's going to be okay it's going to be okay this is the law here's the facts the judge has to do this and the judge didn't do what the law and the facts would normally require and we ended up having to appeal it and that is your only option sometimes. Man, that's scary. I guess yeah. that, that really underscores that uh, in, in those cases, it's a judge. You're, it's mm-hmm. not, you're not in front of a jury. So Correct. It, it, the pros of that, typically you're dealing with a more, a, a more educated person that they understand the facts and they evaluate all, mm-hmm. the, all of the situation. But it, it's still a person, so mm-hmm. you're still, you're still going to be uh, subject to personal influence or opinion, mm-hmm. if you will. And judges are wise. I mean, they they know, you know, parties act up. I mean, if there's never been an allegation of, of child abuse or or sexual conduct in the in the last fifteen years, and all of a sudden happens right after the divorce, I think the judges kind of figured this stuff yeah, out. Right. And likewise, if you never had a problem, you know, beating your wife, or <laughs> maybe it's, it's a weird way to say it. If you if you never beat your wife versus right. if you never had a problem beating her, uh, I think the judges kind of can figure that out too. It shouldn't happen in this in this circumstance. Mm-hmm. Well. This is, uh, let's hope that the divorces are minimized. Now, I know that hurts the attorney, the divorce <laughs> attorneys, but uh, nobody likes to see their friends, family members go through divorce, and it is underscored, the complexity of that is underscored if you have a business involved in that. Yeah. All of that determines the, the splitting of the marital assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you've got people that, the spouses that are continuing in the business, those that will be excluded from the business. Does the business continue? Does it shut down? Mm-hmm. A lot of complexities in that. So the bottom line is seek good counsel. And get good experts. Get good experts in this. Chris Dunn, this, I, has, been, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. I look forward to coming back. All right. We're going to, hey, stay tuned. We're going to get into the Bezos, attorney, Bezos divorce. So oh, fabulous. I think that's going to be good on the next show. I am Charles Musgrove, your host of Business Matters. Real Talk 93.3, 11.30 every Sunday. Join us next week. Have a blessed week. Have an awesome day. Peace.